Let's give it up for the worship team. Thank you very much. So it is, y'all may be seated. Thank you for being here this morning. We are diving into a new series this morning called Vernacular. As you can tell, that is a great word to you. If you don't know the word vernacular, you can just go and use it with your friends um, or maybe in Scrabble or something. But vernacular is a, is a really cool word for me because as you see on this next slide coming up, um, it is a like just everyday language. So I get picked on a lot because I come from a place called Columbia, South Carolina, and one of our vernacular words that I have been known to use is the term and phrase of endearment. Hey, Bo! And that is a very friendly word. It is a, a word that is kind of universal. You can use it in a lot of different things. You can say it as a question. Hey, Bo! And you can say it to get somebody's attention. Hey, Bo! And you can do it a lot of different ways. Well, I think the, the vernacular that I come from connects very beautifully with the vernacular of Pittsburgh because Pittsburghese has its own sayings and its own words, and I just absolutely love it. The other night at the baseball game, there was a guy sitting behind us, and he had the best, the best Yenzer accent, and my wife and I just felt like we were at home. It was just like, oh, it was like putting on a warm blanket. It was awesome, and so Pittsburgh understands vernacular because it's everyday language. Well, we're jumping into a series about the Psalms. And the Psalms is simply everyday praise, everyday hymns, everyday emotions, everyday language. It is, it's, 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 this, it's the book that is for everyone. It's not History, but it is history, but it touches history, so it's got a beautiful piece of poetic history there. It's not how-to, but there is wisdom involved. It's not just prophecy, although there's a lot of prophetic things within the book of Psalms. It's not Paul's rants on the churches and the letters in the New Testament, although it's got a lot of beauty within that as well. The cool thing about Psalms is its art, it's poetry, it's raw, it's emotional. It is a pouring out of the heart in a way that every person can benefit from it. And so that's why we're calling this vernacular. Actually, it's so common that John Calvin says, For there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here in the Psalms represented as in a mirror. So when you read the Psalms, it's like looking in a mirror into your heart. And so if you're an everyday person, which if you're here even listening to me, my assumption is a very, very big compliment to you is you're an everyday person, then you're going to love the Psalms. So I hope that you'll dive into the 60-day Psalm challenge that we have. The reading plan is as by the door as you, as you head out to the cookout today. Grab one, join us. Let's be everyday people in the everyday book of the Psalms. And so... Speaking of everyday stuff, there's something that I have had to take kind of an everyday stance on here recently and become more of an adult and purchase non-fun things and boring things. So recently I've been in the market for a dehumidifier. And being living in Bay, yes, amen, dehumidifiers are always the most fun thing to purchase and so I am in the midst of buying a dehumidifier, and so what do I do? But I go to my Home Depot app, and yes, I know that Lowe's in the waterfront is closer, but the Lowe's in the waterfront creates this response in me, and so we're going to have to do a sermon series on like 
containing your tongue and controlling your anger when you go into the lows of the waterfront. So I'll use that as an example at some point in time. So I'm using my Home Depot app. I sort out the dehumidifiers that I need, all the bells and whistles, and two come up. I'm like, okay, good. I can make this decision. One is the price that I want to pay. One is not, but it has all the things that I need. And I'm like, ugh, what do I do? Well, being the, the trendy person that I am, that's a joke, um, I go to the reviews, and I'm like, all right, let me check out the reviews here. Let me figure out what, what this is. So I, I check the reviews, and of course, the one that, like the price that I want to pay, the reviews for that one, it literally says it's going to be broken when it comes out of the box. I was like, all right. And then the next review was, it sounds like a herd of elephants run through your house when you turn it on. And I was like, I've got two kids. I don't need any more elephants running through my house. And the last one was the most scary. It said, after three days, you're guaranteed to have cancer. And I was like, all right, hold on. Let me put this one aside. Let me go to the next one. So I look at the other one. And of course, the more expensive one with all the bells and whistles, of course, I was looking at those reviews. And I mean, it was just phenomenal. Like apparently it sucks all the humidity out of the air in Pittsburgh. It, um, you can just like feel it, the humidity just rushing past you to it. And apparently it will fold your laundry as well. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy that one. And so those reviews were great. And so we laugh at reviews. But right now, over 80% of uh, people from 18, in that 18 to 34 demographic, which I'm no longer in, unfortunately, say that they use reviews to decide where to dine, what to do, where to go, what things to attend. So reviews are extremely important. It's something that we do in every day. I mean, my assumption is you've probably checked some type of review in the past week or so. And, you know, reviews help more than just that person um, that's using it. It, all, it helps me as a consumer wanting to find a restaurant to go to or something to buy or whatever. But it also helps the person writing it. If I've got a great restaurant that, that I just love, I write a good review on it. Other people use that review, and they keep frequenting that business. So then, and then, you know, their rating gets bumped up on Google and all that. So, like, man, like, if I rate this thing good, it's going to be around a little longer. So that barbecue's good. I'm going to rate it good. Here we go. So it, it also helps out the staff as well because sometimes on a good review there can be some critical feedback. So the staff can utilize that critical feedback maybe to improve whatever they're doing or the maker of a product can use that feedback to improve that particular product. And so it, it, the reviews help people. Well, there's certain types of reviews, of course, that are important. You know, you can always find that review that just says, it was good, five stars, you're like, okay, well, that's great, but I need a little more than this. Or it was bad, one star, and you're like, okay, I, why was it bad? Give me something. So there's kind of a structure to reviews that you do. You kind of start by listing out the benefits of the review, the benefits of the restaurant, or the, the benefits of the bells and whistles of the, the thing that you're buying, and you, you start there. And then you kind of move up, and you, you share like a, maybe a, a, you've experienced that restaurant multiple times. So you, then you talk about the environment, like, ah. Oh, I love the way I feel when I go to this particular coffee shop or place. Or this thing works great for two weeks, not just it's broken out of the box. And then you kind of begin to develop. And maybe if it's a restaurant, maybe you've met the owner in the review that's really purposeful. They, they name a staff member and they make it personal to you. Like, hey, you need to go sit in Janice's section every single time because she's the best. And so they name one of the staff members. Or they talk about the owner's story or something. So it begins to become more personal. 
And so today, as we dive into the psalm, we're going to dive in to Psalm 145, which is a very personal psalm. So go ahead in your, in your Bibles, if you would. It's going to be up here on the screen, too. So if you have your Bible, that's fine. You can read it as long as we read it. But we're going to dive into Psalm 145, and we're going to see here in 145 a review Something that David is going to be pouring out, and he's going to be sharing just in everyday language what he wants to share. So let's, let's tear apart 145. So if you would, if you're willing and able, I would love for you to stand as we read Psalm 145, as we stand under the authority of the Word of God um, and, and follow this example that David's going to lay out for us. It says in 145, I will extol you, my God, O King. And I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts. And I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and shall and shout shall joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all and his mercies are over all of his works. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generation. The Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due time. You open, the, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all of his ways and kind in all of his deeds. The Lord is near to, to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. The Lord keeps all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. You may be seated. So we see here every day psalm, an everyday hymn, and we see everyday praise pouring out of David in Psalm 145. This is such an everyday example of praise that this literally is an acrostic poem. He, David literally took the Hebrew alphabet, listed it from top to bottom, and just started writing things about how awesome God is. And so that's how basic this is. I was a master at acrostic poems when I was a kid. I never paid attention in class, so I would write acrostic poems, not to the maturity level that David did. Usually they were talking about how awesome I was and how cute I was and how handsome I was, and then I couldn't get very much further than that because I didn't know a lot of words like vernacular back then. So, But here you see David just 
fully expressing praise to God. And so our essence today, what we're going to be looking at today, and the expectation or objective today is that every person in here can engage in everyday praise every day by following the example of David. So every person can engage in everyday praise every day by following the example of David. So what is the example of David? Well, we've, of course, got to dive back in the Scripture to figure out what is David really going after here and what is his example. Well, the first thing is, and it's so simple, but we so often forget it, is we have experiences constantly. So the first example of David is experience. We experience. We experience opportunities to praise God. It's just like when you walk into a restaurant, you know, you start out not understanding the whole notion to it if it's a really good place. You just start to pick up like subtle cues and subtle benefits. I got greeted when I walked in. When I sat down, they brought my drinks and my bread really quick. Or the food, was, the food just tasted good. It was good. You know, sometimes I just inhale my food. I eat so fast that I forget to think like, oh man, that tasted good. So you begin to like identify this experience. You know, the, the, the just decorations are kind of cool. I don't really look at decorations, but some of you might. And, you know, you see like, man, the place is clean. It's tidy. And so you just kind of get these like general level benefits of wherever you do whatever you're doing wherever you are whatever you're using and so we see this kind of at the end of psalm 145 and david works a different direction than we are but we're going to work backwards so let's go to verse 14 it says in verse 14 the lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. David has had an experience in the past where he has seen a benefit or a blessing of God where God raised up someone who had fallen. He had lifted up those that were bowed down. Then we move into verse 15. The eyes of all look to you. And it doesn't stop there. You give them their food in due time. You would write that in a review. My food came in a timely manner. My food came, my basic need was met in due time. And so here David is, is not neglecting the fact that he's experienced a very basic benefit of who God is. He's experienced a benefit of God. Well, it doesn't stop there. He also talks about an environment. As you go to that restaurant and you start to realize, man, like they're not just friendly when I walk in, they're always friendly. And they're not just friendly to me because I'm handsome and cute and stuff. They're, 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 they're friendly to everybody that walks in. Even Zach, they're even friendly to him. I'm just kidding. Um, so they, you realize, man, and then like, they just love what they do. And, and you realize, man, these people aren't just serving food. They're serving people. And you, you realize the environment matters. Well, David, too, talked about the environment here in Psalm 145. So we go to Psalm 145.10. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones shall bless you. All your works shall bless you. Then you go to verse 11. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. It's more than just a very basic level thing. They are, they're doing something that's more than just serving food. It's, it's serving people, caring for people. It's all of your creation, God is praising you. And so, of course, David doesn't stop there. Then he, he makes that, that, that review personal. 
He begins now, just as in a, a review of a restaurant, you meet that owner and that owner is like, yeah, I moved back here. I had a Fortune 500 job or whatever and I moved back to my hometown to serve burgers at my hometown because I love my hometown. I love my people or whatever that, that review would be. And so you see David have this experience now even further than just the basic benefits and the environment, he now talks about the character of God. He says this in the very beginning. He says, verse 3, great is the Lord. The Lord is great. And he is highly to be praised. My God is worthy of praise. God is praiseworthy. And his greatness is unsearchable. That's a way for David to say, God blows my mind. And he begins to ascribe this praise to God. Appropriate the praise, not to the benefits, not to the environment, but to God himself and his character. And you look in verse 8, and this is just, this is a, a verse that has penetrated my heart multiple times. If you want to memorize something and say it over and over and over again and meditate on it, meditate on this. Verse 8, the Lord is gracious. The Lord is merciful. The Lord is slow to anger. He's patient. The Lord is full of love. David's saying here, I've experienced the one who gives the benefits and the one who sets the, the tone. I have experienced the owner. I've experienced more than just good food and more than just friendly service. For my God is gracious. My God is merciful. My God is great in loving kindness. And so we start with the example of David. We start at experience. We have to realize the experience. Then we move into something else that is just, it's almost mindless. What else does David do? Well, David expresses it. We have Psalm 145 in front of us because of David's expression of his experience. An expression of an experience, especially a positive experience, is extremely important. John Milton says the mind is its own place. So within it and in itself, and y'all know we all do this, you can make a heaven out of hell or a hell of heaven. We can take a mountain, this monstrous mountain of a problem in our life, and we can just push it to the side and make it a molehill and not even have or have to deal with the big elephant in the room. Or we can take this, this experience that we have that's a molehill and we make it this mountain. This mountain, and it's like, we just, our mind just takes things and runs with it. There's this thing called, within like psychology, called the truth effect or the illusionary truth effect. So we take, we take truth, and if we hear truth enough, we begin to believe it. But the problem is, on the flip side, if we hear truth enough and we begin to believe it, we'll also hear not truth enough, and I guess now we kind of have a term for that vernacular, would be maybe fake news or something. I don't know if you want to run down that road or not but we begin to hear this false thing enough, we begin to believe it. Well, the sad thing is, you would think, okay, if I had to hear something 20 times, then I'll believe it. I'll believe, I'll accept the illusionary truth effect. If I hear something 20-something times, I'll begin to believe something that I know that isn't true. But the sad thing is, it's three times. If you hear a false statement against something that you believe is true three times, you begin to believe it. That's how fickle we are. This is how important expression is when you have an experience that is praiseworthy. 
So we have to learn to express it. So when we express praiseworthy experiences, what does it matter? Well, number one, we tell God who he is. Does God need to know who he is? No. Does he know who he is already? Yes, he does. And he's been the same forever, and he will never change. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. But when we tell who God who he is, we begin to tell ourselves who he is. And if we tell ourselves, we tell God who he is enough, and we tell ourselves who God is enough, we begin to believe it. And then when we begin to believe it, our expression goes even further. We don't stop by just telling us. We also begin to tell other people. Because you can't hold on to it anymore. Because when you experience something that great is the Lord and highly to be praised and his greatness blows my mind, his greatness is unsearchable, you go and tell other people and you're just like, you, you got to get this. Like You have to understand this. Just like when you run to your, your friend or your family member, this restaurant was mind-blowing. They got a chance to go check it out. So that expression is extremely important. We express praiseworthy experiences. And as we begin to believe it, as we begin to express it, our mind begins to understand it more and more and more. And then we go into the next example of David, which I think is the most beautiful example of David, is then when we believe it, guess what happens? We begin to expect it. We expect it to happen. We expect praiseworthy experiences to happen. Past performance is the best predictor of future behavior. And if we express and begin to believe what God has done for us before, how great God is, how gracious he is, how merciful he is, how patient and slow to anger he is, and how full of loving kindness he is, we begin to expect that to happen. We realize that guess what God's going to do? More and more and more. And so we see this in Psalm 145. We see it. I mean, David starts out with a statement of expectation. He says, I will extol you, O God, my king. And look at the timeliness here. And I will bless your name. How long? Forever and ever. David's saying, I will have a reason to bless you forever and ever and ever and ever for all time. Because you're worthy of praise. Psalm 145, 2. Then he keeps going. Every day I will bless you. And I will praise your name forever and ever. Again, he's stating, I'm going to continue to bless you because I'm going to, I'm going to continue to have reasons to do so. And then he closes it out. And I love verse 21. Because he doesn't just say it's him. He says in verse 21, My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. And he says, my mouth will, but I'm going to express this so much that it's going to pour out and pour over onto other people. And all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. David demonstrates that there's an expectation here of what he's experienced before is going to happen again. And he's going to continuously express it because it's going to continue to come. And so the expectation here today, the objective here today, is that every person can engage in everyday praise every day. 
by following the example of David, the experience, the expression, and the expectation. Mark Batterson says, worship is zooming out and focusing on the big picture. So you gotta zoom out and look at the big picture. We've gotta stop just devouring the food, take a step back and realize, hey, that food was good. And so you gotta step back, take in the big picture. And he continues, his worship is forgetting what's wrong with you and remembering what's right with God. Forgetting what's wrong with you and remembering what's right with God. In those examples, David had experienced being lifted up by God. He had seen people bowed down that had to be picked up. He had seen people that were hungry, that looked to God, that were fed in due time. It wasn't all just sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. We have to remember what's wrong with, forget what's wrong with us and remember what's right with God. But also, too, sometimes we got it pretty good. Sometimes we also have to realize that what's right with us, it ain't us. It's God. And so we also ascribe that to God as well. We don't praise the blessings. We praise the giver of the blessings. We don't praise creation. We praise the creator. We don't praise the environment. We praise the one who sets the environment because of his character, because he's all-powerful, because he's all-knowing. We praise, we praise God. And so with that, you're going to have some homework today because how do we do this? Well, we have to go do it. We have to have, we have to realize an experience. We have to express it. And then we move as we express it into expectation. I can't fix your expectation, but I can help you with realizing experiences and I can help you with the expression. So your homework today is, and I was a former teacher, as many of you know, so you have your homework, so pull out your notebooks and everybody write this down. So this is your homework. You're going to, in these brackets right here, insert an experience. So you can write insert experience here. So at some point in time in the next week, I want you to take two minutes, which is a long time for an American to sit and reflect in silence for a minute. And I want you to consider an experience that you have had in the recent past. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take that experience and we're going we're to realize what the blessings are in it or what the environment are, is in it, whatever the character of God is in it. And then we're going to ascribe it to God. We're not going to praise the blessing. We're going to praise the giver of the blessing. So then I want you to name God. So insert experience, therefore God is and list a characteristic of God. If you need help with characteristics of God, I love it. Send me an email, text me, call me, smoke signal me, whatever it is. I would, I would come over at 2 a.m. to talk to you about the characteristics of God. Because it will blow your mind. So therefore, God is. God is. My God is. Why do we say it three times? Because if we hear it three times, we begin to believe it. So here's some examples. Here we go. I'm going to start at a normal level of Chris, and then we'll kind of work up from here. So this past week, I went to Oakland, all right? Right around there, we're fueling fuddle, stack, chicken. If you've never been there, they're really good. Can I get an amen? I know. Amen. Okay. Nobody wants to admit it, but I like fueling fuddle, stacked, and chicken. So I wanted to go over there and eat some chicken. So I drove over there, and I found a parking spot on Oakland Avenue, a free parking spot in the hour-only 
thing. I mean, it was like the miracle of God, like the lights shone down. It was like, Chris, this is your parking spot. It's tough to park an F-250. Boom, it was perfect size. Bam, there my thing is, I stayed for over an hour. I got back. I didn't have a ticket. Oh, amen. My God is a provider and protector. My God is a provider and protector. My God is a provider and protector. All right? Well, in 2021, we still can blame everything on COVID. And so this is something I I thought about as I reflected. So, of course, COVID shut everything down. I was an elementary school principal. It closed my school early. All the students walked out the door, and I never got to have, like, a final goodbye with my students. And it ate me up. Messed up all my plans. I didn't get get to have a final goodbye with a lot of my friends and family from Columbia, South Carolina. And so it, it, it hurt me in a lot of ways. But then there were some benefits there. It gave me an opportunity to move up here to Pittsburgh early. I got a chance to just be with my family. What a beautiful time that was. And then I got a chance to meet, I think, and I'm completely biased and I don't care, the most awesome neighbors in the world. Literally, we went out to, we went out of town two weeks ago, and I missed my neighbors, all right? I missed them. Like, I, I just love the people I live around. And so I got a chance to reflect on this, and, and I was able to ascribe this to God is, you know, I didn't necessarily agree with how he did things. Therefore, though, God is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. My God is all-knowing. And last one, I got to play my first hockey game ever this past winter, all right? It it was an atrocity. It was awful. I barely stayed upright. I just kind of stood in the middle of the rink as these former college hockey players skated past me. And so, but it it was exhilarating that I I played hockey. I'll be in the draft soon, be looking for the first 40-year-old in the draft. Um, But on the way home from Emlinton, PA, we were on I-80, And because of a tractor trailer and my first ever experience with black ice, we were pushed off the road straight into a ditch. We were okay. The truck was okay. Everybody was shaken. Nobody had a meltdown, which is a miracle in and of itself. But in a flash, we experienced the fragility of life. I drove drove all the way home from I-80 at like 11 o'clock at night with freezing rain coming down. I mean, white knuckles, a southern boy driving a truck down I-79. No idea what I was doing. And I realized real quick, therefore, God is a refuge and peace. God is refuge and peace. My God is my refuge. And my God is my peace. I challenge you this week to take some time to ascribe praise to God. Look for that experience. Express that experience over and over and over again. And that's what the Psalms are. It's everyday praise for everyday people. It's for us. So as we're wrapping up, I'm not here today by myself. I'm here today because somebody expressed praise to me. Somebody that believed it. Somebody that experienced the depths and riches of what God brings. 
And I want to introduce you to her. I stand on her shoulders here today. So this is my grandmother, my grandmother, Ruby Cooper. She is, she was born in 1915 um, to very humble means in Jefferson, South Carolina, Mount Pisgah area, which is a nowhere place in South Carolina still to this day. Um, She was physically and emotionally abused by her stepmother. She survived the depression. Um, She lost two husbands, my grandfather and my step-grandfather. She raised five children as a single mother. She lost one of them to brain cancer, among many other sufferings. And I used to die to spend the night with my grandmother. It was the highlight of my week. And, And growing up, she would... You know, growing up, we'd go to bed, and she'd always come in and read Scripture to us. And I'd always ask, Grandmother, will you, will you read that Scripture to me? And here's a woman who had experienced atrocities sometimes, and just, you know, things that would just cripple most people, and all of us have had these things happen. And she would confidently express an expectation that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want the Lord is my shepherd. Chris, I've been through all this, but the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And so she would express that confidently and over and over and over again. And that is one of the reasons why I'm here today. So your expression of praise matters. It matters to you and it matters to other people. And so I challenge you to take this to heart. The Psalms is not somebody else's book. This is our book. This is everyday praise for everyday people. So what is everyday praise? Every day, it's expecting experiences to express praise. Expect experiences to express praise. And I, I think that there is no better time when we're talking about expecting experiences to express praise and to move into a time of communion. So if you would um, grab your element, the band's going to go ahead and come up. And actually, you know what? I did not even grab one. Can somebody grab me one? That's how organized I am. Thank you. So if you would, go ahead and open up your elements. If I can get it open. There we go. One day I'm going to do this before. So let's just make it clear as we talk about just the basic blessings of God. I mean, the greatest blessing the world has ever received is the blessing of Jesus' death on the cross. All of creation, the brokenness of people and the imperfection of creation points to the need for a Savior. So Lord, we beg you now. We know that your justice was required. But your love provided your son Jesus. Your mercy and your grace, Lord, poured out as Jesus' body was broken, was poured out on the cross. So I can confidently say, I have, because of the Father's love for me, experienced the salvation that only Jesus can provide. I am no longer oppressed by my sin. 
in the midst of this broken world, I possess a peace that surpasses all understanding. Therefore, God is love. God is love. My God is love. So let us together take this bread, which represents Jesus' body that was broken for us on the cross. Remember the blessing. Praise the giver of the blessing. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us take the wine, grape juice, which represents Jesus' blood that was poured out for us. Remember the blessing. Praise the giver of the blessing. Do this in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we proclaim that we will bless your name forever and ever. We will be the ones that proclaim the experiences that we have had. We will express it and we will expect it. You poured out your son on the cross to save us from our sins. Have mercy on us, O God, for we are sinners. And we relish in that. We relish in that forgiveness. So Lord, let us not forget. Let us remember you. Let us praise you. Let us express praise to you. And let us expect more opportunities to do so. We love you and we ask all this in your son's Jesus Christ's name. Amen.